The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Friday edition of the Dunktown Basketball Podcast. We are finally here at our awards. We postponed this a little bit because we really wanted to get into MVP a little bit earlier. So that's in the rear view mirror. If you want to hear that, go back a couple days ago. We ranked the MVP candidates on over 20 different objective and subjective categories and finally arrived at our winners. We are sponsored today by BetDSI. Use the code DUNK25, D-U-N-C-25. So a different code on this one. BetDSI likes to keep it consistent across their advertising dunk 25 to get a 25 dollars credit just for registering as well as a 200 percent bonus with first time deposit and by betterment betterment.com slash cap space is the url to get started with automated investing that is lower cost than more traditional financial services betterment investing made better all right so i guess we should just rehash who our mvp picks were uh, i will give our i guess it's a top five isn't it now these days so we probably should do that the way we would on the normal ballot sure so my top four which were discussed at length before is russell westbrook number one james harden number two lebron james number three Kawhi leonard number four and then the fifth spot actually changed for me this week and i put stephen curry in the fifth spot i think he has ramped up his production also he has the benefit over isaiah thomas who's one of the contenders of have played playing more minutes and it's a tough call with that John Wall is also in consideration a few other guys but I think Curry has had the most overall impact of those of that group of guys I can't argue with that but that's just something that people say because I will argue with that I would go with Isaiah Thomas and I certainly believe that Curry is a much better player than Thomas but Curry has disappointed in the clutch this year when we're talking about value the actual wins that you're adding to the team's bottom line the Celtics last I checked 29 and 13 in clutch games thomas 65 percent true shooting 40 percent usage in the clutch as we discussed the other day and he is just having an unbelievable season in terms of his efficiency i think the problems with his defense though real are overstated when people are talking about him being the worst defensive player in the league so i think that would be the tiebreaker for me and i would go with isaiah thomas as my fifth on the mvp ballot let's move on to defensive player of the year here uh Who did you start with? For a lot of the year, I was on the Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year train. And what swung it for me was the Warriors defense, not only staying afloat, but doing a very good job after Kevin Durant's injury, because it took away after losing Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili, already took away some of the kind of structural support that Draymond Green had. Durant was the Warriors' second best defender for most of the year. And they still stayed strong on that end. I believe they're number one 
one in defensive rating since the All-Star break. So Green's versatility and his success as you started to pull away every other piece made him a narrow pick over Gobert, who I think is having a fabulous season as well. I think that this is actually the decision between Green and Gobert, the most difficult one that I've had in the entire time that we've been doing this. Even harder than that MVP where the MVP, I intellectually knew that all four of those candidates were really close. We spent all that time breaking it down, obviously. But I also had been on the Westbrook train for a while, especially with his clutch performance. And that was something that I could point to as uh, maybe an easier tiebreaker than what you would have uh, for defense player of the year. Though uh, Green has had some pretty relevant clutch moments defensively as well that you can point to. I mean, he had a play early in the season where they tried to go to Anthony Davis against him and he knocked the ball away on a potential tying shot. Same thing with Giannis Adetokounmpo in a game at, at Milwaukee. He blocked Dennis Schroeder twice at the rim against. In the, yeah, against I mean that one is a little that one's a little overrated because I think they sure. were still they were up by two or up by four with like a minute left or something. So that wasn't just like okay, you stopped a potential game winning shot there. Uh, but it, nonetheless, I mean, I think Gobert has had some clutch stops as well. That you know because I don't watch quite as many Jazz games as Warriors games since they're not in my town. I didn't want to really put too much of an emphasis on that. I did, however, still pick Draymond Green, and uh, Green had a better defensive rating when he was on the floor 99.2 uh 104.6 for this Warriors team when he's off the floor despite the fact that they have a ton of other defensive talent I still think that he is the engine that really makes their defense go uh Gobert was number one in defensive RPM Draymond was number two both of them over five on defensive RPM which is unbelievable some of the best performances that we've seen and some of the best performances that we've seen in high minute situations you know not by specialists right like both these guys can stay on the floor Andrew Bogut for example has had great defensive RPMs over the last couple of years and he played on a great defense and it's also you know he's playing 15 20 minutes a game and, and he's a specialist you know you can you can be played off the floor on defense not to mention offense uh so I, I did go with Draymond I have more reasons for it I wanted to ask you this though I've heard the argument made that because Green provides more value on offense that he then has is more valuable defensively the the idea that and that isn't as much the case this year because Gobert has also really improved offensively and you really want him on the floor offensively but just as a general principle if you have a guy who maybe isn't as good offensively and can get played off the floor offensively does that weigh into you not wanting to have him as defensive player of the year no not at all i agree i agree and the, the, are we calling this the deandre jordan corollary considering how that that whole thing about how doc wanted his offensive rebounding to be considered a defensive element but this is a little bit different but well you could you could you could call it the deandre jordan corollary for a different reason which is that jordan has to leave the floor sometimes because of his foul shooting yeah i, I think the defensive player of the year is different than that but i think it gets into do though a, a different issue in terms of figuring out that third spot and i well, well so so have we finished have we finished oh. why we're going with green green over gobert i think i, Is, do you have. Any, I don't know any if you more reasoning okay well i i want to talk about that a little more um you know for gobert a few more stats for him when he is off the court the jazz really have suffered 107.2 which is uh i think average being slightly below as a defense 100.1 when he is on this is a jazz team that looked like it had a lot of defensive talent around gobert but due to injuries to george hill and Derek favors much of the time 
time, they have been nearly wholly dependent on Gobert. The biggest issue with Gobert, you can say, is that as a seven-footer, while he does impact everything at the basket, there are times that he can struggle. I mean, he's very good at this for his size. I mean, we have not seen, I don't think ever, someone who's as good protecting the rim as him and getting out on the perimeter. Maybe Dwight Howard in his absolute heyday is someone that you could point to there, but I think Gobert is maybe even more intimidating of a rim protector than Dwight Howard was at his best. Uh, So he's great at getting out on the floor. He can move his feet in pick and roll defense. He can close out on shooters, but still it can be a little of an issue. The Celtics in particular were able to exploit that a little bit uh, with their bigs, with DHOs way out on the floor, Uh, Isaiah Thomas's speed. Um, So he does have a weakness. Draymond Green does not have a defensive weakness at all. And I think that he, uh, you can say that, oh, they have all this other defensive talent but he's basically played in both good and bad defensive lineups throughout the course of the season he's played with all three of the stars at various times as the rotation has changed up and for that reason I'm not going to say that oh you know he's benefiting that much you know whatever lineup it is he they've been good defensively with him on the floor I think just his ultimate versatility also the fact too that he has a little bit better of a track record than Gobert Gobert has, has been excellent these last two years but Green has been at another level Green has the track record of being awesome in the playoffs and also I think just since he's I thought he should have finished first in 2015 he finished second last year I thought Kawhi Leonard should have been number one I thought and that was right uh I think he also just needs to get it here because we're talking about his Hall of Fame resume his track record over these last couple of years since he's been second I would very rarely use this as a tiebreaker but I would point to that as hey you know this guy kind of even more as a lifetime achievement maybe deserves to win it this year and again like I I rarely would default to that but I think when it's so close as in this case uh I would go with green and uh Gobert will have his chances in the future I think that Draymond uh, considering his age and, and how reliant he is on his athleticism it probably is not gonna age all that well and and you know if I had to guess who the favorite is going into next year I'd probably pick Gobert I will note that for personally, and I'm not begrudging you for for doing what you do, I do not consider prior performance for things like that, like these awards for lifetime achievement, just because I think it's a slippery slope. And I think back to some of the the MVPs that I've disagreed with have kind of been on that logic. But yeah, for, that's yeah. A well, thing see, for me. I, you know, you know, I have. I mean, we both went to law school, so people talk about this all the time. The slippery slope argument comes into play a lot of times. I think the slippery slope argument sucks personally because, like, if if you're worried about falling down the slope, like just wear some boots with better traction you know i'm not going very far here i took i took one step down the slope and it's like you know a thousand foot drop after that like i'm not i'm not worried about like continuing to fall uh you know i'm really i'm roped in i've got like some carabiners i've got that guy spotting me so as long as you take the proper safety measures i'm not worried about the slippery slope but i think that's what i'm, I'm doing i'm not exten- I'm, I'm not extending this discussion <laughs> We could get into this for a while. I am not extending it. I'm unilaterally deciding to stop it. <laughs> but my analogy was so good. I, I know. I could have extended it for another 10 minutes, but I don't want to. But let's let's talk about the third spot. Because well, let's th- do, we can could, we could do that. Can we do that at lunch at, at Screen Door after we're done with this? Maybe. 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 But but so the third we'll spot see, was, see, was, see what KP thinks. was really hard because there isn't truly a standout. So you have players, including Kawhi Leonard, who is a phenomenal defensive player, but still Statistically, you know, this isn't his best year. We've talked before about opponent three-point shooting. I looked at it last night. I think it was 
about a 9% difference between when he's on the floor and when he's off the floor in terms of opponent three-point shooting, even though they're shooting fewer threes per as a proportion of attempts. So that is hurting things like his RPM. And then you have players that are having better defensive years in terms of statistically, you could go in a lot of different directions. Dwight Howard, Paul Millsap. I reconciled this with the idea that I don't consider like what I what I think of as bad luck as being a determining factor. When I watch Kawhi, I see him exerting his will in a different way. And also the Millsap probably would have been my third, except that the Hawks played pretty well defensively. They fell off the table offensively, but they played pretty well defensively with Millsap out with that injury. And so that led to me going back to Kawhi in third, which was actually something that shifted between the last awards podcast we did to then to now. You know, I would just like to generally thank the NBA journalism community because I'll be honest, I wouldn't have known about the terrible luck that Kawhi has had defensively this year without people really looking into that. And perhaps that's because he's really had the light shine on him due to his MVP candidacy this year. But people, a lot of people have done great work on Kawhi's defense this year. Uh, Bo Schwartz-Medson, KP, Matt Moore, and... Also, just watching him, I haven't felt like he has fallen off at all. He plays a ton of minutes. He's still on a really good defense. We know that he's still a really good defender. And again, I think just in the absence of any other overwhelming candidates, I would go with him in my third spot as well. Uh, Anybody else that you really think deserves honorable mention for this? Well, I guess no. We could save that because we're going to do all defense. Yeah, yeah, we'll Uh, we'll do that. So yeah, we'll we'll uh, that'll be foreshadowing that a a little bit too much here. Um, all right. We'll get to first team All NBA, second and third team as well. But first, this from Bet DSI. Whether you want to bet on the Masters or Major League Baseball, there's no better place to bet on games than Bet DSI. They are a top rated business on sports review sites. If you want to make your game watching interesting, personally, for me, if I were watching the Masters or Major League Baseball, I probably would want to bet on it because those are two sports that need to be made more interesting, in my personal opinion. Uh, but BetDSI is the largest sports book online with over 20 years in business, and their live in-game wagering lets you make plays throughout entire games while they are live and running. Uh, you can even bet on the go with BetDSI mobile betting. Not to mention BetDSI has built a reputation of being completely dependable, so you can count on them to repay you your winnings fast. And if you ever have any questions, their customer service is available 24-7, 365 days a year. So the way to get started with them, you can get a free $25 credit just for registering at BetDSI, as well as a 200% bonus with first-time deposits when you use the promo code DUNK25, D-U-N-C-25 is that promo code, different promo code for BetDSI than all the other sponsors, but that 25 represents that you get that $25 credit and you get that 200% bonus with first-time deposits as well with promo code DUNK25 at BetDSI.com. So first team all NBA, I, this, I made a last minute change on the second team. My first team, however, has remained consistent all year. Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James at forward at guard, Russell Westbrook and James Harden and at center, uh, Anthony Davis picking him. I think like the big question here is whether he qualifies as a center or not to be on the first team as a center. He would not make it as a forward. I, I think pretty clearly. Does he qualify as a center to you? Yes, he does. He's played. I th- it's somewhere around 50 minutes, right? Or 50%, sorry, 50% of his minutes where he's been there. And also a lo- he guards centers a lot of the time. Like that's another line that I draw is whether you're the tallest guy or not is a part of it, but also who you defend. I would say he qualifies. I actually struggled more with 
putting him first or second team than whether he was a center this year. Last year, I remember that was a big point of consternation. So uh, AD, the numbers on him playing at center, he's played about 65% of his minutes at center. He's played 1,714 minutes without cousins Ajinsa or ashik on the floor out of the nearly 2700 minutes that he has played so far you could debate whether the minutes that he played with terrence jones he was the center or the power forward but i think you would probably look at him as the center in terms of the rim protecting that he does in that alignment uh so but he did play another 700 minutes with terrence jones so without him it would be uh 1081 minutes but he clearly can play center their most effective lineups this season have been with him at center i mean i think that that's part of it too Uh, so i i would go with him at center i some people last year would have put maybe dream on green at center i would not do that this year he has not played nearly as much center as he did last year uh and he also those lineups haven't been as devastatingly effective this year especially in the clutch as they were last year um kevin durant might have been in the conversation uh with lebron and Kawhi at forward but since he played less minutes uh he's not in consideration and it probably would have been lebron and Kawhi anyway even if katie had just continued playing at the rate that he'd been playing um i did want to say too as we before we move on to the second team ask you this like what is your criteria for all nba does that change at all for you uh versus mvp or are you just picking who you thought provided the most value towards winning this this season it changes pretty significantly for me because i think of all nba as the best players in the league and the players who had the best seasons and so for me that that shifts it from quantity quantity matters a lot more in the mvp than it does for me in all nba you'll see that with my second and third team so if i think a player is clearly superior this season to another and the difference between the two is that one guy played 60 games and the other guy played 75 I'm choosing the guy with 60 because I feel like even though they might have had less of an overall impact they were a better player and when you're looking at all NBA and this is something actually I've been using it as I've been working on my various projects including the book is like I feel like all NBA is is trying to tell the story of that season and I think that if you're telling the story of that season you want to go with who the best guys are and more importantly than how much they played yeah you know I think so too I think that uh when you're looking at guys entire careers i would rather have and this is foreshadowing here but i would rather have say kevin durant on the team than gordon hayward kevin durant you know will have played three quarters of the season he'll probably be at about 60 games by the end of the season gordon hayward has played a lot he missed a few early on with the that broken hand but or maybe it was finger i can't remember but you know i think kd is just so much better of a player historically than gordon hayward hayward will be a player who maybe one year might have garnered an all nba third team or maybe a couple of years unless he continues to improve which is possible but and the jazz continue to improve but as of now that would be my prediction and kevin durant is an all-time great and so to just say like when you have an all-time great who's playing at a high level i'm going to look for more you know at some point you miss too many games but i'm going to look for reasons to put just the overall better player on there perhaps more than i would uh, for mvp and my second team i did make a last minute switch that completely flies in the face <laughs> of what i just said uh i went with steph curry and isaiah thomas rather than chris paul as my second team guards uh so why don't we discuss uh, the guards there as well for you 
So I've had I've had Chris Paul on my second team for a long time, and I still do. I think that he he was the third best guard in the league when he was on the floor, and you can make an argument he might even at moments have been a little bit better than that. But I mean, overall, yeah, I mean, leading he, the league in RPM by a significant margin. So right. So I th- I think the story of this season with has to involve him and as the time the time capsule idea. So yeah, I have Curry and Chris Paul as my guards on the second team, and I was pretty firm in it. And do, if you want to discuss Isaiah now, we can. But Isaiah, I, Isaiah's you putting him up there is really interesting because I think, other than the, the clutch part of it, which of course we have to respect, I think you're probably lower on him as an overall basketball player like you like to look at the broad scope of their career and everything like that than I am and that you have him second team is interesting yeah I think like the clutch performance was just so good that I just couldn't ignore it and I also think that his scoring season has really been underrated KP noted in his piece today on this same topic something that I had been not specifically aware of but generally just that his usage and true shooting percentage that combination is really a top 10 all-time figure and I respect that enough that I think it's something that needs to be rewarded here. And he's just been so important to what the Celtics have done. Just, you know, I mean, it's weird to think about that, you know, the Celtics might finish with like one or two more wins than the Clippers after the narratives surrounding their respective seasons. But still, I mean, the Clippers have somewhat disappointed this year. I think that Paul does contribute to some of their locker room issues as well i mean not we're probably getting too far into the weeds here but so i i do have paul on my third team uh and he has been absolutely awesome this year uh especially at the age that he's at and his size i mean it's been just ridiculous how good he's been and uh for him not to make the all-star team was a complete travesty uh but nonetheless those are my guards who were your uh you had paul on the second team is that right Right. So I had Paul on the second team, and then my third team was Isaiah and John Wall. Kyle Lowry was a really, really hard omission for me because I feel, all things included, he is the best of those three Eastern Conference guards that I considered for the third team. And I didn't. The so, injury- so you think he's better than Wall or Isaiah Thomas? Overall, yeah. I would say he is. And I think he he had a, a better a better year for the, or he had a strong year for the part of it, but Isaiah's centrality to the Celtics offense helps also his clutch play helps. And then John Wall is a similar thing. I think I in this case, I, I think it's fine to use games played as a real tiebreaker if you're right on the line. I don't like it for really any other purpose, but the other two guys have really good cases. I mean, I think that Thomas and Wall both deserve it, and I wouldn't begrudge anyone at all to have Kyle Lowry. I actually had Lowry up there until about maybe like two weeks ago, and then just the way that everything kind of worked out, and you know, maybe these three game, last three games could shift it a little bit for me. I don't think so, but that's the way I ended up, and it, it gives me heartburn because I, I love Kyle Lowry. I think he's been huge for what the Raptors have done well. Yeah, I, I had Kyle, Kyle Lowry not as much in consideration as you did i think both because of the injury i think his defense has dropped off a a lot this year and perhaps this is just me not being and and he does have a standout skill actually he's shot amazingly well this year but i I just and maybe it's because of like his playoff failures i just don't think he's quite as good as thomas and wall have been this year uh 
And we're not we're I not going to get into the whole holding really Kyle like Lowry's him. playoff failures against him, but not holding them against Isaiah thing again, are we? Because that's I, I mean I, that's well, a- like playoff failures. Like Kyle Lowry, we have a long period of time here. Like Isaiah had like one series, and, and he had a game one game where he went off, and then there's no one else on the team, and they just started trapping him. So I, I don't think it, it's it's a little bit different to six games versus like the last three years where Lowry has had a few moments, but a lot of those were against like a crippled Miami team uh, last year uh so uh, I mean feel free to criticize me for that but I I will uh I will punch back that's why we are here to uh fire away and uh poke holes in each other's sure arguments but but let's Uh, move on to the forwards I don't think there's much more that we need to discuss there well I I didn't know there there is there's always more to discuss (laughs) on this just because I think this is a really interesting year I think some people we're treating Steph Curry like a no-brainer if you look at like Isaiah Thomas's statistics this year, at least his box score stats and his clutch performance has been better. Uh, but we should remind people that Steph Curry, I think he still has the highest offensive RPM in the league. I, let me double check that real quick. I believe he does. And he also is, I like, I've been using the word orchestrating more recently, orchestrating the league's best offense which I think is a factor in this as well. Like that was something I was looking at in terms of Wall, Lowry, and Isaiah is Isaiah is, you know, he he is really so important to what Boston does. Boston amazingly at ninth has the worst offense of any of these guys that, that I considered for the second and third teams. Yeah, and since Kevin Durant went out, I think that's been a big part of, of, of Steph clinching it. And I completely understand why you went with St- Steph in fifth place in MVP based on this because he has been very good especially since they returned from that crazy road trip uh but since Kevin Durant went out Golden State's offensive rating with Steph Curry on the floor has been 117.9 and he is a net rating of 16.9 that's just absolutely completely insane whether you want to look at his individual stats being down a little bit and, and they've been quite good of course since that happened he still has just an incredible pull uh, to draw the defense to him and open things up for everyone else. I mean, there'll be five or six plays a game where, you know, he'll be coming down in transition and the defense will be so freaked out about him that, you know, one of his teammates can just go in for a layup. I mean, the the idea of stopping the ball almost gets lost by the other team's defense. So what his effect just simply being in there is something that I think still despite the fact that he's been so good for so long uh is now underrated when people say he's having a down season that effect is as strong as it has ever ever been yeah i don't really have an argument with that and would you like did you consider clay thompson at all or any of the other shooting guards because we only have one shooting guard on this list yeah the shooting guard position a little down other than harden who in really has been operating more as a point guard this year himself so yeah yeah i did i mean i thompson has gotten a lot better this year i think he's back to kind of being the same player as well that's also been an underrated aspect of the warriors maintaining without him so yeah i I did consider thompson he mike conley also uh got some consideration damian lillard as well as had again a wonderful second half of the season demar Derozan deserves recognition for the way he's been able to keep the raptors afloat offensively 
although I think he also there's a ceiling on how good you can be offensively with him as your best guy as we've talked about before but certainly deserves recognition for pushing the Raptors to a solid offensive performance even without Lowry um but no I I think that there is a still a pretty clear line of delineation my third team by the way was Chris Paul and John Wall so I think there is a a clear line below those guys with Lowry in particular having missed time uh so we could do the centers Oh, so you want to save forwards for last? Okay. Uh, so yeah. Rudy Gobert is my second team center. He, he is second in defensive player of the year, which is the most important thing that a center does. And his offense has grown substantially this year. It was something that was always kind of like an inkling of potential, even going back to when he played in France. And he has delivered a, more than enough to me on that part of it to make the equation balanced enough to give him second team. And then... I still feel that Marcus is the third or maybe even the second best center in the league, but I move DeAndre Jordan above him because I think DeAndre's had a wonderful, arguably underrated year. And Gasol has has done well, but I think DeAndre has, has stepped up. They've dealt with injuries at various parts of this year, and I and I gave him the third team nod. Yeah, you and KP were in lockstep on that. I think that Jordan's defense is overrated. The reason that KP was not as much of a fan of Gasol was uh that his rpm is pretty low uh, deandre jordan's is much higher uh of course marcus soul has zach randolph backing him up and deandre jordan has most baits <laughs> so uh, that might really affect some of those on off numbers but i think gasol deserves some recognition especially because he won like four or five games with like you know actual shots that won the game i mean i think that's something that maybe should matter a little bit i think gasol just in general has been a better player than DeAndre Jordan he he and Mike Conley have basically been a two-man team for this Memphis team and yeah I just you know I, I I also think that DeAndre Jordan's defense this year has not impressed me very much and I I think you know Gasol is just a better player that's kind of the tiebreaker for me any other centers that you considered uh where did Demarcus Cousins fall in this for you I don't think Cousins was he wasn't even next for me I think if we're gonna go with a defensive primarily center I think Towns has had a better year than he has and you can make an argument for Nikola Jokic as well I mean Jokic had a spectacular season once you take out the the time that Nurkic played of course that still counts into the story because it actually happened but Cousins, you know, I don't I think that the defensive value, we were always wondering if that was going to come around. It hadn't really. He's a spectacular player for what he is. But no, I, th- I think I don't know if I had if I had to make a decision for fifth team, whether it would have been Towns or Jokic. But I think those are the two guys I would have been choosing between. Yeah, this is actually something that Ethan Strauss was discussing with the uh, someone who who I can't remember unfortunately on, on Twitter that I thought was summarized something that I've been trying to articulate for a while. The idea that certain players I would put DeRozan in this category, I would put Cousins in this category, give you a higher flow floor, but a lower ceiling. And that'll usually be guys who can create shots on teams that aren't necessarily that good, but still created a decent, maybe average efficiency. You know, Cousins has really one of the highest usages we've ever seen from a big man, especially during his Sacramento days. It's gone down a little bit now that he's in New Orleans, at least when he plays with AD. But also, if he's going to continue to play that way, he's creating... And Russell Westbrook actually could even fall into this category a little bit himself, although he obviously has made it to the finals, but he did so playing next to Kevin Durant. 
uh, and Serge Ibaka, and and you know they've made some some uh, Western Conference Finals as well. So maybe it's not really as fair to put Westbrook into this category. But yeah, these high usage, lower efficiency guys, kind of one man bands, uh, I, I think are just an interesting category of player that maybe deserves a little bit more of a discussion and i think i've begun to get a little bit more nuanced i hope in just saying that there's not just okay this player has a certain value he'll add x number of wins to your team and trying to parse through all right you know how much is this guy who can be a really good player in the playoffs on a winning team worth versus this guy who you know might get you from 20 to 40 wins but is there a difference between getting from 20 to 40 wins and 40 to 60 wins is something that i think deserves further study it's complicated though for a couple reasons so one point i want to make i i might have missed it in 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 that kind of explanation which was very good about the idea that also a lot of those guys are bad defensively and i think that's an important part of this too in terms of lowering ceiling is yeah the usage is fine but if you have a guy who does that and actually plays decent defense it totally changes their role on a successful team versus DeRozan, who's terrible defensively cousins who's usually pretty shaky and but the but the bigger point that i wanted to make and it's a really challenging argument to make just in terms of the nuance like there are people of course who are capable of doing this But the challenge with arguing about the 20 to 40 versus 40 to 60 is the idea of of undervaluing somebody's teammates. So sometimes we conflate those two things together that, yeah, a guy, there are players, I agree with you, that there are players who elevate a floor and lower a ceiling, but sometimes that gets tied in with who a guy has around them. And so, you know, because Russell Westbrook's a good example of this. You know, if you put the right teammates around players like that, you can outperform it. I would actually argue that while he also has been way better this year, Isaiah Thomas is probably a good example of this too. Like Isaiah Thomas. James Harden, you might say he is too, right? I mean, they won 41 games last year. Although Harden, of course, is more efficient in his, with his own offense, which maybe is the difference in some of the guys we're talking about. And, And Isaiah, I would say the same thing. Like those guys are efficient enough that I wouldn't necessarily at least at first blush, put them in that category. Right. But basically my overall point is that it gets it, it you get into other complicating factors that can't be ignored and that doesn't mean it's it's incorrect. It just means that you have to parse it correctly to make that as to make that point. But I mean I, I think that when you get into the idea, I, I want to look into it a little bit more. I just didn't care about it for this because I didn't have either one of them on it. But like the Towns versus Cousins discussion would be a compelling one, not in terms of looking forward or anything silly like that. We have our opinions on that, but just in terms of value added this season. I think that would be one that I'd like to look into maybe this summer when I actually have some time. Yeah, and what an age we live in for a, you know, remember the center position was supposedly dead. I mean, that Jokic, Towns, and Cousins, I mean, those are three of the best offensive centers that we've seen in a really, really long time. And if you wanted to throw AD in there too, which we probably won't for next year because he'll play with Cousins uh, at least part of the year, <laughs> probably next year. Uh, crazy, but I, you know, I think you and I, uh, the fact that none of those players' teams really were that good. I think is a little bit telling as to how hard it is to win no matter how good your center is on offense if you don't have a good defensive center I mean all three of those teams Denver Minnesota Sacramento had very disappointing defenses this year and so that that's another thing to kind of track let's do the forwards now real quick otherwise we're never going to get to a uh, screen door right so I as I've said before I prioritize quality over quantity for all NBA so that led to Durant Durant being my a1 second team guy I think that he's the third 
third best forward in the league. I thought he's had a wonderful year when he's been on the floor. And then that next spot was Giannis for me. I think Giannis has had a better year than Jimmy Butler. I actually really thought about Draymond for a second, just because I, I could think you can make an argument that Draymond has been, he's so valuable, but I think of all NBA as being a little bit more of the more outstanding vein. It also differentiates it. And Giannis, yeah, I'm just not ready to go there. I'm not ready to go there with Draymond Green as a top ten player in the league, right? And that, that's part that's part of how I moved away from it was the idea the idea of if you swap them, like they would be very different teams. But Giannis, especially considering I value broadly offense over defense, especially at non at non center, which Draymond only played a little bit this year, then Giannis, I think, was was more important to his team success and was a better overall player this year. Yeah, I had Jimmy Butler. I flip-flopped Jimmy Butler and Giannis all year. Butler, better by the advanced stats, has been carrying a, a Bulls team. I think that Giannis, you might point to him being a little bit better defensively in the way he's protected the rim. Uh, he's basically has been the best rim protector, probably among anyone who's not dream on green and isn't a center this year. So he's been fantastic there. And But Butler, I think the way he's played since Wade has been out, Giannis has dropped off a bit since he started the All-Star game. So I, Giannis and Green were my third team. KD and Butler, my second team. Apologies to Gordon Hayward, who is probably my toughest omission. Uh, and Paul George, who has come on, but his overall season stats uh, do not quite measure up. All right, I think we're done, finally. Uh, but we can get to a few of these other categories that we had right after this word from Betterment. You can learn more about Betterment at betterment.com slash capspace. That slash capspace URL is easy to remember because we talk about capspace all the time on the program. Betterment is the largest independent automated investing service out there. They have a number of innovative products, including smart deposit, by which you can basically set it to withdraw and automatically invest any amount of money in your checking account above a certain amount. So let's say you feel like you need a $5,000 cushion just for living expenses. Whenever you get more than $5,000, in your checking account, it'll automatically invest that for you. That's just one of the smarter cutting edge technologies that they have that bring you sophisticated investing and financial advice all at a lower cost than more traditional financial services because it's automated. More than 150,000 customers have chosen Betterment's advanced advice algorithms. I'll say that three times fast or maybe even four times fast and beautiful user interface to manage over 4 billion of their dollars. And this is the perfect time to get started with them because dunked on listeners can get up to six months of no fees. Learn how at betterment.com slash cap space. That's betterment.com slash cap space. Betterment investing made better. So uh, a category that we have talked about that I just made up to talk about this season is biggest surprise team and player for me both of those are the same the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah I mean I I think that especially considering both of us considered the Bucks to be our to be our best bet to go under their projection I have them as my biggest surprise team but my, my biggest surprise player is a different guy on the same team which is Malcolm Brogdon and there isn't much of a precedent for me of a guy who you know we had seen I, I watched him in summer league becoming an integral part of a successful team as a rookie without those expectations. I mean, he was a second round pick and everything else like that. So for me, Brogdon was a bigger surprise than Giannis because I kind of always thought Giannis had the sin in, in him, even though I didn't expect to see it this year. But both of them are totally worthy choices. Yeah, that would be an interesting project to go back and look at the best seasons 
by second rounders who were drafted that year you know obviously like Amani Ginobili was drafted in the second round and came in years later uh but I'd be interested I mean you'd have to imagine that Brogdon certainly would be right up there uh biggest disappointing team and player this tied in a little bit with the over-unders that we missed again but for me my most disappointing team was Detroit just because I felt like they could have this could have been the year to put it together and it also does tie in with players like I I hope that they were going to get a step from Andre Drummond maybe from Reggie Jackson and that all pieced together my other I guess dishonorable mentions for that would be Charlotte and Orlando both of those might have been because I inflated them unfairly Charlotte you know they they were missing some key contributors in Lynn and Courtney Lee and Orlando because I thought they would put it together defensively. But disappointment is kind of a subjective thing anyway. So those are my other two. Yeah, Orlando was the, the biggest disappointment for me. At least Detroit stayed in the playoff mix until these last couple of weeks. I just, I thought their defense was going to really improve this year. I thought the coaching change was helping. And they won 34 last year. They actually, I think, had a slightly better point differential than that. And now they're going to win, you know, 29, 30 games or something like that. that. That they would take this much of a step back was really a surprise to me. Because, I, I mean, remember, right? Like, they made a move for Serge Ibaka and traded Victor Oladipo we all thought that Ibaka is a better player at this point than Oladipo and he might actually be in fact but just uh how their defense could be so bad uh and Biombo, though he didn't win it was right on my list of most disappointing players I mean he just has not been good defensively this year which I, I thought he would be excellent based on how he's been the last two years and, and his playoffs last year uh but my biggest disappointing player was Reggie Jackson uh, and perhaps that's being a little unfair to him due to the injuries they're saying hey we wish we would have shut him down a little bit earlier and and is does he deserve more uh disappointment than Chandler Parsons who basically didn't play at all and was possibly the worst player in the NBA when he was on the floor this year maybe not maybe I'm it's unfair to penalize him for being out there but you know he was sensibly healthy for much of the year even though maybe it's coming out now that he wasn't so uh dishonorable mention here to Timofey Mozgov and Luol Deng who while we pilloried those contracts we thought that they could at least be like effective players this year and uh they were so bad when they were in the lineup that the Lakers decided they had to tank to try and keep their pick and then took them out of the lineup completely for the entire last two months of the season uh and then uh Chris Dunn would be the other one that I pointed to supposed to be the point guard of the future in Minnesota supposed to be NBA ready And, and granted you know I wasn't as high on him due to his age but I thought he could at least provide like competent backup play this year. And it's been, uh, you know, really a struggle for that. I saw him in person yesterday uh, at that Blazers Wolves game. And what really stood out to me is the first time I'd seen him in person this year. It's just that he can't go by anybody. You know, he, even in one-on-one ISO situations, like, yeah, on a screen roll, they go under and that's a big problem too. But, you know, just in transition, trying to like blow by his man. And it's not like, the Blazers had like some awesome defenders on him and he just couldn't do it for me the the bigger question with all of this is always my own expectations versus what actually happens and so I ended up at the same answer of you with Reggie Jackson just because I think it might have been that I I was too high on him again the idea that he was playing below 100% is a legitimate possibility I mean we could see this could be a retroactive one that you want to change it but I feel like it's uncomfortable to do that in a situation where he's less obviously limited than Chandler Parsons I mean Parsons I, I mean just didn't feel like he was right and so he, he played a lot fewer significantly fewer minutes and everything else like that so I went with Reggie this was a year actually where there were fewer truly disappointing players than I expected and I don't think he deserves to be in this conversation 
but I talked about the idea of, of the difference between what I hoped or expected and what they got. That was also kind of what I was getting at with Detroit with, was with Andre Drummond. Like Drummond, I, I didn't, it's not fair necessarily to say, oh, he's going to take a big leap and he didn't. So that's a disappointment. But in some ways that is what happened this year. Like I thought, I thought this was going to be the step in his defensive evolution and it wasn't. Rookie of the year. And my focus here is on the of the year component of this. This might be a little bit too lawyerly, but for me, I went with Joel Embiid, despite the fact that Brogdon really came on. Uh, Embiid famously only played about 31 games and was on a minutes limit in those games, really only played uh, less than 800 minutes, I believe, uh, on the season in total. And nonetheless, I made the statement at the time that he was having that great run, and so was Philly, that he was playing at a higher level just as far as impacting his team's winning than any rookie since Tim Duncan. Now, of course, he has an advantage that he's older than a lot of the great rookies who came in over the last 20 years. But I felt that that just has to be recognized. When you talk about rookies this year, the conversation just has to start with him, even if maybe he'll never be good again. You know, he had this this surgery, he's got all these injuries, but either because we may look back on it as just remember the promise that he showed, he was rookie of the year there, or because I certainly hope that he's going to be starting a long and illustrious career. Uh, That's why I went with him. I wouldn't have done that in a year with maybe a more traditional rookie of the year who looked like they're going to be a future star, but Ben Simmons didn't play at all. Uh, Brogdon would be my number two, but he's you know, could be a steady starter for a long time, potentially, but, you know, he's already 24. And so I don't expect him to be any kind of a game-changing player. And I did go with Dario Saric, third. Uh, people will probably be up in arms that he isn't higher, but he's just too inefficient. He's, he They have no one else to score on this team. They're throwing everything through him right now. He has made some improvements, but I still... Uh, don't think that he's really added all that much it's basically just been a case he wasn't doing anything when they were actually good and then now that they have nobody else to create a shot when your point guard is tj mcconnell on on that team they got to throw to him every time and he's done okay but he's still been very below average in terms of efficiency overall this season so that's why he wasn't higher to me I focus substantially more on effect towards team success than I do really anything else for Rookie of the Year. And that's why I I settled on Joel Embiid. I did not expect Brogdon to make this as close as he did. I seriously consider Brogdon. I think think that him winning it, would I would have zero opposition to it because he did it over the course of a year and he did it on games that had real import. So I have no problem with, with considering that as well. Some of that is the circumstances that you're in, but he helped create them having relevant relevant games this late in the year so i'm fine with that and be though yeah, and just- i agree with you i agree with you sorry to interrupt but i agree with you that i think he's probably been the most valuable rookie over the course of a season it's just i don't actually for rookie of the year for young players all rookie team i feel the same way i just don't put as much of a premium on just oh who provided the most dead bang value i think it's kind of in some ways more of a potential looking award a forward looking award so i feel okay taking more liberties with it but i agree with you brogdon has been the most valuable rookie this year it's just I'm interpreting the award a little differently. Well, it's interesting because I, I have Brogdon second too, but it's for, right, for right. different logic. And I think that's also part of yeah, the reason why. Yeah, differently than a lot of people. Not not differently than you, I don't think. But uh. Right, sure. And so so Embiid won, Brogdon two. And I've had Saric in this conversation for a long time. And I, I did some soul searching last night. And what I was realizing is I've always been very critical of guys who their case is more the accumulation of stats. And while he has helped their team success, he did not help their... As you said, he's not did not help their team success when they were actually really succeeding. And 
So I was just sitting there going, well, why am I giving him credit for this when I basically never do that for anyone else? And so I ended up going with with Willie Hernan Gomez because I feel like he has been a more sustained part of his team's success, that it wasn't really stat padding. And it's, I, I, it's, it's an uncomfortable position for me to be in. I always like it when I'm kind of sitting in a place and can build the rationale for it. But I think what Hernan Gomez has done has been has been more important in that way, and it was more consistent, and I like that. I like that he he filled that role, and I think he could have done well if he was asked to do more. He just wasn't. Yeah, Hernan Gomez did quietly have an 18.7 PR this year. Very yeah. 13% offensive rebounds was, was very impressive, and, and he's going to need to become a better shooter, I think, to really, uh, I don't know how high, how much more ceiling he has left to explore, uh, and he doesn't quite, he's been compared to Marcus Gasol, his countryman, but he doesn't have that type of size that Gasol has to really just be a, a massive deterrent defensively. Other honorable mentions, Rodney Magruder, uh, again, a player that I said we have not talked about enough this season and uh jamal murray would be the other ones that i I would look at uh six man of the year another award where my ballot changed significantly from the last time we did this because there were two things that happened at exactly the same time one lou williams was not as amazing as he was at the beginning of the year some of that was just regression to the mean he was unbelievable in that beginning of the stretch he was the best player on the lakers and i don't think it was really the changeover in teams it was just he hit a colder snap and andre guadala has played the best basketball that he's played on other than arguably the last four games of the 2015 NBA finals, the best he's played on the Warriors, maybe even longer than that. So those two things allowed Iguodala to get up there. And I've always preferred this goes back to what I just said about Dario Sarge guys who make an overall positive impact rather than putting up the stats. So I ended up with Iguodala 1, Lou Williams 2, and Eric Gordon still qualifies. So I have him 3 because I actually think Eric Gordon's a better player than Lou Williams, but Lou Williams had an overall impact. And I do not want to discount Lou Williams' time on the Lakers when he was fabulous, and that's a part of this year as well. Are we, is there something wrong with our logic that we weren't even mentioning Andre Iguodala in these discussions all years, all year, and now he's going to win it after like a good month and a half? Because, because I agree with you, he would be my pick too. Sort of. He also was a lot worse. He was worse then. I mean, he's been Yeah, the first month and a half of the year, he did not play well. You're right. So I think that's a part of it. And also remember, Lou Williams was excellent then. Yeah, he should, he should have been in the conversation for like second and third. But if you remember when we had those conversations earlier in the year, when we were doing our words we weren't doing the full ballot we were really only doing number one and lou williams was number one then so i don't think we need to when we're talking about the single guy i've you, you know me I've, i get people mad at me all the time for this if i don't seriously consider somebody for the number of places that we're doing i'm not going to talk too much about that because i don't i don't think you need to give those honorable mentions if they're not seriously considered for the top spot Andre Guadala, uh, the argument i made last year was that he is the best player in the league who comes off the bench Every single coach in the NBA would, when asked, would you rather have Andre Iguodala or Lou Williams or Eric Gordon on your team, would pick Andre Iguodala. And now that he's really come on, that his statistics have been a little better, that he has helped fuel this 13-0 run uh, since KD went down, uh, I think, yeah, he does still deserve I mean part of the reason I think because he started the year poorly I was just willing to acknowledge that you know maybe he's just moved into a new place he's not as good anymore you know because he's older and and I think he's just proved that notion and so uh, you know I I think he should get it and and I also well Lou Williams and Eric Gordon are on on winning teams as well Lou Lou Williams piled up a lot of his stats on a Lakers team that was obviously terrible for most of the year and uh so yeah I would ultimately go with Iguodala honorable mention 
Joe Ingles, Wilson Chandler, and uh, James Johnson, who at the age of 30 boosted his three-point percentage, assist percentage, and usage percentage. Uh, pretty impressive uh, what he was able to do uh, as he got into better shape. Should we move to most improved? Well, I want to give two more honorable mentions. Yeah. Okay. Greg Monroe and Ennis Kanner. I, they're not my favorite type of guys for this, but they both had very good years doing what they do. And so I feel like they deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, Cantor with the time that he missed is a demerit. But yeah, Greg Monroe is someone that, that I should have mentioned also there. Uh, most improved was, I think, actually a little easier this year. Uh, I went with Giannis because he went from completely out of the conversation for being a star to starting the All-Star game. And, you know, the Bucks team performance has been great. Uh, second place to me was Rudy Gobert. Uh, and third place, Isaiah Thomas uh, has I mean, really gone from fringe all-star this year uh, or last year to you know being you know fifth place on the mvp ballot and just the, the shooting that he he's improved his off-ball movement like been very impressed with how he's been able to improve uh what'd you have I like your Isaiah pick. I now feel bad about my third place pick because that, that's a good choice. But so my number one is, is Giannis. I, I showed you last night. I was because I was going through preparing this as we were kind of during the breaks of the Blazers game. Giannis is blowing away his career bests and a lot of a lot of different things. So he's it's the most efficient year he's had of the year. Of course, highest usage, highest assist rate. I believe it's close to his lowest turnover rate as well. And so you see those those pieces all coming into play. I think he's been better defensively overall this year too. So. He He's yeah, that's been the biggest thing to me is that he's been really protecting the rim as a power forward and their defense has gotten so much better than it was last year. Right. So you have all that with him. And I think that that would make him one in a lot of years. And this year is certainly one of them. And then Gobert, he defensively, you know, he was really good before, but he has been doing it in a different circumstance with them missing a lot of their best defensive players for a lot of the year. But also he offensively improved his usage and improved his efficiency, something I always love. And he's also actually had the best defensive rebounding year of his career, though a big portion of that is probably because Derek Favors is not on the court. And then my third guy, I, I went through a series of different players. Otto Porter, Deadman, Brad Beal, Nikola Jokic. Jokic is a weird one because I think a lot of it is opportunity, but he has been so amazing this year that I think you consider it. But I ended up going with Kemba Walker because... I yeah, think he was my Kem- fourth place, so I don't think that's yeah. a bad pick at all. No, but I, I just I hadn't really spent much time thinking about Isaiah, and I think that's an inspired choice. I might I might reconsider. Yeah, I, but I, I think Isaiah has kind of done everything Walker did to improve, but just slightly more. Right, and that and that's and that. So I've, I'll explain the short thing with Kemba is just that he improved him. He, he improved in ways that you don't necessarily expect and in ways that were incredibly valuable for his team. He got He's a, a better scorer this year. I think he's been a better distributor this year, and he has the second lowest turnover rate of his career. So he's been able to do all that. The, the Hornets had more complicated circumstances this year, both by losing his backup and often playing partner in Jeremy Lin. But I think Walker Walker's a big part of what kept them close to a float. And so, yeah, I agree. I, now that I'm really thinking about it, I have to look through it a little bit more. Isaiah is probably a better example of that, but Kemba also, I'm happy that I at least have him on here because we get to discuss it. Uh, yeah, Gobert, what he's been able to do with his finishing, I, I think that has been the most impressive single skill development because you just, you know, Gobert was very awkward around the room. We talked all the time about how if he had a body on him uh, as he was trying to go up and finish, you know, he would travel, he would get knocked off balance, just threw these layups off the backboard. It was awful. And he just got so much better at that a skill that just big men at his age they usually just don't get better at that right like i mean 
look at like a Tyson Chandler, right? Like Tyson Chandler is great at going up and, and getting alley-oops or was even in his prime, but he's was not ever able to really catch and finish on the move and make a move uh, off the pick and roll. And Gobert just added that skill. I mean, there are not many guys I can think of who went from as offensively limited as he was last year uh, to really being a force uh on the pick and roll the way he did this year so uh, very impressive you also got a mark gasol skill development as well just hadn't shot any threes and now he's just like this totally transformed his game sh- shooting the three and also deserving of mention Otto porter uh james johnson and yeah i'm glad you mentioned brad beal too because it seems like he's kind of the same player when you watch him and then you realize that he's taking way more threes and is way way more i mean he was bit below average efficiency until this year and now he's a, a really efficient player like the player that he always we always thought that that he could be and he uh that contract was criticized by some in this room well actually i guess we're not technically in the same room but by some on this podcast uh more than others and i think he's been worth that contract this year pretty unequivocally and he's got more room to grow so he's only like 23 you want to do coach of the year uh also uh, uh, yeah a quick shout out though most improved during the season yusuf nurkic <laughs> just, who came to portland and just started dominating after being like unplayable in denver uh i don't know if we should give him credit for dogging it the way he did in denver but uh worth noting yeah coach of the year uh who did you have here i ended up still staying with somebody who i've been saying for most of the year which is greg popovich the fact that the spurs have been as good defensively as they have been considering the changeover in talent is awfully impressive i mean they're playing tony parker Pau gasol the, the lamarcus has had a far better year defensively in my opinion than he did last year which is, i think a lot of that goes to coaching and also that they've been able to cultivate this bench and we lose sight of it sometimes just because oh well they're going to finish at the two seed they've been pretty significantly the second best team in the league this year and that's incredible you know like they have one mvp candidate they have two all-stars and then they have a bunch of great supporting guys I think Pop is Pop is one, and I'm not saying it's unquestionable, but I think he's one. Also, he's the best coach in the league, so that helps too. The other two guys, I could put them in either order. I think that they've both done wonderful jobs in very different ways. I ended up with Eric Spolstra second because the degree of difficulty of losing so many players that you expected to be contributors in season and succeeding in a different way than we expected is more impressive to me than what Mike D'Antoni did transforming the Rockets. I also think that I wanted to get this point out there before and, and some other things that the Rockets did outperform their, their win expectancy by a lot. But the, I think a lot of people, in, just including both of us when we did our over-unders, we thought that they were underrated in terms of their win expectancy. So I think that you have to price that in as well, where when Vegas put in their line, I think they put it too low considering they had been the second best team in the West yeah. the year before. And while that's not knocking what D'Antoni did. I don't I don't necessarily respect that argument as much when the line was poorly set. Yeah, I mean, I still thought had them at 46 wins. I didn't see them getting to the third seed necessarily. Uh, Spo, this is one where it's kind of unfair to do this based on what's going to be a couple of wins, but they're now looking only 42% chance at, at the playoffs in part because of the Deion Waiters injury. Uh, but Spo, I, I would not have him second. I still would have Pop number one, obviously, but I, I wouldn't have Spo second if they didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, that Doc Rivers Orlando season where they didn't even make the playoffs looked kind of weird for coach of the year. So I'd have D'Antoni second. Uh, and then Steve Kerr deserves some mention too. You know, obviously the Warriors have merely fulfilled expectations in what is likely to be a 68 and 14 season. Uh, But despite like 
a few little tiny things of drama like he's kept everyone largely happy they've done exactly what they were supposed to do this year I mean, really the first absolute super team uh since boston in and, and keep in mind boston was not considered on the level of some of these other super teams when they were first formed i mean i think most people had that team winning like low 50s in games that year uh but the first one of these teams that's actually fulfilled what they were supposed to do in a long time and uh it's been as seamless as could have been hoped and, and kerr i still think he is either the first or second best coach in the league and uh so he deserves some recognition uh, as well uh the I, last, I mention i want to yeah. mention two more guys quinn snyder and scott brooks i think that quinn snyder we've talked about this a little bit before yeah. he's been underappreciated because of the the injuries that they've had to deal with they have a wonderfully deep roster which you can give credit to dennis Lindsay and numerous other things for that and scott brooks i expected it to be a defensive improvement because of what he did in oklahoma city but partially just the sheer value over replacing randy whitman offensively has been gargantuan and he deserves a meaningful amount of the credit for that i mean we're seeing career years from basically all of their key guys yeah we've talked about it before but brooks quietly has addressed a number of his purported weaknesses in oklahoma city he's willing to go small mix and match lineups more got his team shooting more threes so i think that that's something that uh really has gone kind of under the radar this season we'll do executive of the year last just because i don't want to close on one of our kind of made up ones but we should go back and look at some of the categories overall best win of the year uh, i had three potential candidates but the one that i finally settled on and one that i think is going to be pretty key for this team and where they end up in the playoffs milwaukee on the road beating san antonio without Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, that was really an incredible win for them yeah it gets it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because that was like, like two months ago am i remembering correctly uh i mean that might have been like december yeah like early january something like that yeah i, I don't I, I it's funny i didn't i didn't really ever think of a, a truly like i don't think there was that definitive definitive like great team win you know like the the warriors beating somebody or the Spurs. The, i mean in many ways oh, what, the most imp- what, the what most about impressive that warriors game. win against the spurs a week ago that was yeah, that was pretty impressive that's true i was so no the two kevin that durant I did, down 21 to 3 came back and, and for a comfortable win uh basically clinched the number one seed that's pretty yeah, damn it, good it's win. funny because i was uh, originally thinking about spurs over warriors on opening night but now i'm leaning towards that just because of the whole juxtaposition like the the, the idea of doing it all in the same game yeah i think i'm gonna go with that actually yeah i mean that was one of the ones i considered uh also uh, i mean what cleveland did to boston the other night i think was pretty big just in terms of like securing the number one seed from the cells kind of restoring order for them and also we denver destroying one of the greatest teams ever the the warriors in terms of point differential and setting the record for most three pointers in a game while doing it just absolutely blowing that team out it deserves some mention as well worst loss i had some more trouble with though and i mean maybe you could just look at like oklahoma city's entire season series against golden state where like you know russell westbrook shows up in the photographer's vest and and his canter is talking all this shit like the fans are, are going crazy with all this cupcake stuff and they weren't remotely competitive in any of the four games but and the one that sticks out the most of course is that first that february 11th game uh at home where they just got worked uh and the game was not closed despite all the uh the vitriol hurled at kevin durant i went in a direction that i think is is kind of maybe closer to our hearts which was a game that was you know it was decent for the most part but charlotte completely collapsing against minnesota 
was late. It was, I think it was in December when the, it was a 10 point deficit with like, I think it was like two minutes left. And basically all Charlotte had to do was hold on to the ball. It was December 4th. And, you know, it's hard to say in the scope of everything, but to, to do something like that and just kind of help set the table for them falling off a little bit. And I always hate it when a team blows a late lead. Uh, I added a special category in this tanktastic year. Worst win, <laughs> the Lakers beating the Spurs the other night, uh, despite playing Meta World Pizza as much as they possibly could. Uh, we don't need to continue on <laughs> in, in, in that category. Um dunk of the year i think i i think uh, for me dunk of the year is a very visceral very visceral thing and the one that's the one that just made me i don't know if i actually stood up but just elicited the greatest reaction was larry nance over brooke lopez that was just an absolutely incredible like highlight everything like that dunk and full i mean that that that's the one that i'm gonna remember the most from this year yeah he uh crossed up anthony bennett r.i.p and then just dunked all over brooke lopez like bounced off his chest kept rising up uh r.i.p brooke lopez for a different reason than r.i.p anthony bennett uh yeah and that's that's the one really that no other one dunk stands out as much i mean Giannis had like some pretty nasty ones like taking off from almost the free throw line and stuff like that Z- but, zach uh, levine had zach levine had some uh andrew wiggins on javel was was the best dunk i saw in person this year and yeah but but i I mean, none of them come close no, to Larry Nance. No. I, mean, I, I think we I, can move on here. I'm going to make a quick proposal to you that for next year, we can't do that for this year because we didn't think about it. I would like to add a separate category for single highlight of the year. So it could be like a crossover and a sure. three, or it could be whatever. And, and importance there will matter. I think dunk of the year is pretty objective. Significance yeah. in the game or, maybe, or whatever maybe doesn't even matter. Play, yeah, play of the play year. Play of the year or something like that. that. Yeah. Hopefully we can remember to um, do it for the playoffs. That'd be fun. All right. So we, in previous months, would pick uh, trends that we thought would continue and that were an aberration. My trend was that the Lakers would continue to be absolutely terrible. Uh, I noted that they were playing all their youngs, that, the, that Lou Williams had just been traded, that they needed to keep their picks. And they've continued to be terrible. Negative 8.7 net rating, 113.3 D rating as last, 4-13 and 13 over that period. But not terrible enough. Only the second worst record in the NBA, 4-13 to 4-15 for the Phoenix Suns, who I think have now lost 13 straight. Mine was that the Rockets would continue their dominance and free throw attempt rate. And after the Ulster break, they've actually been second to the Clippers, though that involves a lot of hacka. So, you know, they are second. So it's kind of wrong, kind of right. And then my one that was an aberration was that from New Year's to when we did the last one, which I think was in early February, the Thunder were dead last in effective field goal percentage, and that just looked wrong to me. And they were 15th, so middle of the road from that point on. Yeah, I had two aberrations. One was the Wizards that had a 6.3 net rating since January 1st, and I thought they were going to fall back. And that, in fact, came true since March 1st. Troublingly, 28th in defense in the NBA over that time span, 112 defensive rating and a negative one point two net rating overall since March 1st for the Wizards uh, as their schedule of course got much harder that was part of the reason for that uh, as well Uh, so that one came right and then I also thought that the Raptors were going to improve a lot defensively with uh, Ibaka and Tucker they were 17th on the season as of March 1st and after that they have been third in the NBA 102.9 defensive rating that has caused them to move up from 17th to 9th overall on the season so finally actually got a couple of these right because i'd been completely blowing it on these for a couple of months there uh the player that i picked to watch uh, over the next month was demarcus cousins who had just been acquired 
by the Pelicans. Some good, some bad. Uh, at one point, they'd been really bad with him on the floor, and that's because they were hitting all their threes when he didn't play and not hitting them when, when he did. That's changed. They basically, same three-point percentage with him on and off the floor now overall in his Pelicans tenure. He, he has missed some time, only played 574 minutes, and in that time, they have a negative 1.9 net rating, uh, but they have played well with he and Davis on the floor, 2.8 net rating, 99.6 defensive rating when they played together. And, and again, not benefiting from spectacularly bad opponent three-point shooting, 33%, which is kind of within the, the range. Uh, the big problem has been when he has been on the floor and AD has been off in those 179 minutes, again, not a huge sample at all, uh, cause you know, he missed some games due to injury with an ankle injury and, uh, suspension. They did have a 117 defensive rating and a negative nine net rating in that time, but also worth noting that over those 179 minutes, opponents did shoot 44% on threes. So probably not as bad as it looks. And just in general with him on the floor, 104.4 defensive rating. That's not, that's worse than the Pelicans were over the course of the year worse than they were playing ad at center before they acquired him but their defense he hasn't been as bad of an effect on their defense as i thought he might be so that's a little bit encouraging going into next season my also guy worth was noting, oh, sorry yeah yeah no no go, go ahead if you're I, I if you had any more on cousins i i missed a couple no of i didn't there, go ahead so go ahead okay so one thing a very interesting 5.63 point attempts a game for cousins but he's hitting 38 percent of those uh but kind of feeding into what we talked about earlier the the idea that he's not creating shots as efficiently 49 percent on twos that's pretty crappy uh now part of that is when he's going to have to be the only offensive guy when he's the only one in there instead of ad but when he's on the floor with ad you would hope that he could get more efficient either shoot threes or that he could really just bully guys into the post and, and get more efficient so that 49 percent on twos is pretty bad i think and uh only seven percent offensive rebounds as well you would also hope that maybe he could focus a little bit more on the boards i still think he as i've said many times he needs to get into better shape and and overall you know 23.6 per about league average efficiency overall uh so he definitely took a little bit of a hit in his production uh joining ad and it, it seemed like uh ad was still the one who was kind of uh the alpha dog there and that's also because ad is uh, a better player i think than demarcus does that that's uh that's how it should be my player was nerland's noel noel had been just been traded to the dallas Mavericks for what it became two second round picks. And my big question for it was, is he going to be good enough to justify if somebody gives him a really high offer sheet? And I still don't know. It was crazy. I couldn't answer that. But I came across one amazing statistical anomaly when I was kind of looking through the stats part. I mean, a lot of it for me is the eye test and watching him. And he looked agile as always defensively and just wasn't, wasn't as consistent as I like. But this is weird. He had a 119 offensive rating and a 102 defensive rating per uh, basketball reference when he was on the Sixers. Those were exactly the same when he was on the Mavericks. Like not only was his like a lot of the other elements like his PER that's and all remarkable. that were the same, but that's just super weird to have identical offensive and defensive ratings both in about between 405, 400 and 560 minutes. So it was just weird. Executive of the year. Well, I mean, I think that this award is almost always won or lost in the first two weeks of July, and that was certainly the case this year. Bob Myers was set the table for Kevin Durant, got Kevin Durant, and then was able to build a workable bench around that. Zaza Pachulia for the rumid level, David West, Ian Clark, not going to mention Anderson Verjao, but that's a a really impressive job, and it's a different thing. And I don't, I'm not sure he's going to win it. I'm not going to say he's not. I'm just not sure because there's voter fatigue with that and getting Kevin Durant 
rant. Maybe people see it now as a very different thing than it was then. But my number two is probably not going to get consideration at all. And well, I think can, you can should... I comment on Myers a little bit too? Sure, if you want. I agree with you because he was he was my number one as well. I agree with you that he may not get it because I mean, you know Pat Riley didn't get it the year that they got LeBron. Although it is worth noting that they kind of disappointed that year in that Bulls team, you know, in large part due to the players that they acquired and the coach that they hired as well, Tom Thibodeau. Uh, they actually had a better regular season record than the Heat did, and throw in a little bit of backlash there. But you know, it didn't actually look like that was going as well as people thought it would uh so that's why pat riley didn't get it that year. like people are like oh it's so ridiculous that he didn't get it this is just like pure jealousy and stuff there was a very legitimate argument uh for the bulls being a better team than miami and being a better team because of the players that they acquired uh, in that offseason that ended up not being true miami handled them in the playoffs but during the regular season there was like a reasonable argument there um but i i would go with myers because creating the space for kevin durant getting patchouli and west the NC an acquisition of Matt Barnes has proved key as well after they were saved from their own mistake of hiring or, or of uh, signing Jose Calderon by that uh, by the KD injury and then they went with Matt Barnes instead uh, so yeah I, I would pick Myers but yeah who would you go with for number two I think there's a, a lot of candidates that really deserve credit here there are a lot and I focus on people who do challenging jobs and I think we've underrated despite talking about them as a surprise team what Miami was able to pull off in the aftermath of Dwayne Wade leaving. First of all, give Pat Riley credit considering what we've seen so far in not giving Wade the money that he wanted because that would have been a disastrous contract. I mean, you could talk about all the interpersonal and everything else, and that's fair. But they were able to get guys basically on rental deals and use those guys because Justice Winslow got hurt because they actually needed a bunch of wings. And so Rodney Magruder, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, like you're, Wayne Ellington, they're getting so much from guys that basically nobody else wanted and they picked right. the right players. Spo deserves credit for coaching it. But I, I think that Riley's job this year, and I like that you brought him up without knowing I was going in this direction. His job this year has been incredibly under the radar. I agree with you. I think he, he deserves a lot of credit. How much of what they did was just, hey, these are the only guys left. We got to sign him. Uh, but the the fact that he was operating under the constraints of basically hey we can't take on any money for next year now he, he was perhaps saved because wade you know didn't decide until seven or eight days in a free agency whatever it was but if you compare what he got out of guys like waiters and james johnson compared to portland <laughs> signing evan turner uh for example it, it, they got way more out of james johnson than evan turner and evan turner signed for oh you know 20 times more <laughs> than james johnson did uh my pick would be daryl morey though for second because we were critical of those signings but in fact they actually are going to be able to have some cap space i think the lou williams trade also being able to get off of Corey brewer's money at the same time was useful and the vision that he he also hired mike d'antoni as coach that's something that has to come into it as well that's a, your number two coach of the year uh might win it in reality so that's got to be part of it uh he went in a completely different direction based on the available talent we thought oh they got to get better defensively and just let harden run the offense and they said no we're going to double down on that we're going to space these shooters four feet behind the three-point line and just bomb away and uh you know they're, they're the third best team in basketball 
this year and, and uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming and uh, so congratulations to Maury it's possible that those Gordon and Anderson contracts could end up looking bad down the end but they've gotten enough present value out of it that I think you would probably have to say those were a good idea anyway and now they're also back in the conversation of being one of the elite franchises which they were out of before I think that was really important I want to make two to more them. points and, and on, also, on one position yeah. they decided that it was better to try out Clint Capella than try to bring back Dwight Howard even though Dwight Howard signed a reason contract with the Hawks maybe you wouldn't assign that with them Capella's been wonderful I think he's been a really good fit for what they wanted offensively Nene and, the room and that's exactly awesome where too. I was going to go is Nene at the room exception was one of the five best signings of last year and they needed him he fit in well and I think Montrez Harrell has looked good as like a third center and you know they they've they built this thing that makes a lot of sense and they put the pieces together and it Maury Maury deserves a lot of credit I think I'd, I'd probably have him third and I think I actually if I had to make a prediction I think Maury might win which would be I, yeah I, his peers know. don't like him either it's gonna be uh <laughs> a, a lot of bad choices for all these jealous executives uh but yeah I think to go into that last offseason frenzy having a ton of space but also with just every contract that was going to be signed was almost certainly going to be a bad contract and to walk out of there at least as of now with contracts that i mean at least provided how many people even signed contracts that gave value this year not to mention for the last three or four years of the contract uh very impressive i mean that anderson contract will probably be bad by the end but they're getting enough value on the front end that i think you you would have to say it's looking like a good decision here so far and they did get lucky that gordon and anderson stayed healthy nearly all year that was certainly a big part of the risk so maybe things change a little bit but yeah i did like maury really quickly here uh masai ujiri getting pj tucker and Serge Ibaka for assets that really weren't going to change the Raptors' destiny at all. Resurrecting their season, uh, they survived without Kyle Lowry. They could well even get the three seed at this point. Uh, and Ujiri, depending on what happens in the playoffs, it's quite possible that he could look even better by the time we're done with the playoffs. Uh, David Griffin, what he did with the Cavs, basically uh, adding some assets. I know they haven't played all that well at times, but still, that team looks a lot better on paper than it did at the start of the year uh Dennis Lindsay whom you mentioned although a lot of that was stuff that he did before this year uh and then well I don't I disagree with a lot of the moves that he's made Dell Demps does deserve credit for that DeMarcus Cousins trade I mean that was a swindling of a trade he's got it got to at least be mentioned I was going to bring up the Solomon Hill signing but I, I don't feel like we need to have that discussion but yeah I mean that he did he did the single best trade I mean it, he did the single best trade that and I guess Olshay but there are many reasons why Olshay can't be on this list those were the two best trades of the year so sure all right i think we're done here finally yes <laughs> let's go let's go eat some brunch thanks again to our sponsors that will be helping to pay for this brunch bet dsi use the code dunk 25 d-u-n-c 25 to get 25 dollar credit and uh 200 deposit credit as well and betterment betterment.com slash cap space will get you up to six months of no fees of lower cost automated investing talk to y'all on Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.